Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. want to stop and just say, I just want to acknowledge it. You're all like, oh, Pastor Aaron's not preaching. So I brought Paula up here to help ease, <laughs> ease us into this transition. But I just want to thank you for being here this morning. I thank Pastor Aaron for this opportunity. I want to thank the campuses for just joining us each location and for those who are watching online. And, and we're talking about generosity. And when Pastor Aaron asked me a couple months ago to speak on this, It didn't take long for the Lord to show me a clear passage, two passages actually, he wanted me to preach on this morning. And and so they're talking about two women in scripture. And I thought, what a better way to honor them than to ask my wife to come up and to read scripture and and that. And and also because she's right, I'm half blind and I should wear glasses. So I have to acknowledge that. So, but I've asked. That's true. Yes. But I would ask Paula to, would you take it away and read the word of God for us? I would love to. You know, in the history of the church, the body of believers would stand to read God's word. So I'm going to ask you to stand up with me as we honor God this morning by the reading of his word. We're going to be reading out of Luke 7 and then John 12. This is the word of the Lord. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. He owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, yet you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And John 12, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave him a dinner and Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment 
made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you for standing. I travel all over the world. If you don't know, I run a mission organization, and so I, I travel, and then Pastor Aaron brings me out of the field every so often to come, and, and uh, I'm like that mosquito. You know, I buzz around a little bit, then you shoo me away, and I go away, but then I come back, and, uh, and, and thank you. So I go to churches. If you come from an Orthodox or a Coptic background, you know you stand for the service. You stand for the whole service. So there was your sacrifice for Jesus for standing for that long passage of scripture. But really, it was just to keep you awake uh, because you lost an hour of sleep. But. So take out your notes. Let's get into it. We're talking about generosity, but uh, last week, Pastor Aaron did a fabulous job talking about stewardship and, and how to handle your, your finances and, and thinking about generosity. And this week, I want to do a little bit of a deep dive into the heart behind that. And I want to start off by just asking the question there in your notes. Do we love Jesus? Do we love Jesus? Now, I know we're in church. We're going to say yes, but uh, let's explore. Do we really love Jesus? Now, if you've never heard me speak before, uh, well, good luck. And, you know, giddy up is what I want to say because you who are in foundations know there's half of me. I go into this theological nerd mode. I'm, I'm kind of known as the theological nerd around here. But then I'm going to go into using my prophetic gifting and I'm going to preach. And I am going to get wound up. So I hope you had your Red Bull this morning because I have. No, I haven't. But I'm going to because I don't know if I can do this for five services, but we'll see. These two women... God just laid on my heart and said, use them to help our church understand the heart of generosity and the pathway that leads to generosity. So there's three principles I want to look at as we explore these, these women and what they did, and then also bringing in other passages from Jesus and what he said in the gospel. So the first point that we see, the principle that we can learn that Jesus actually said himself is that, and you can write it in your notes, those who are forgiven much love Jesus much. Now, technically, Jesus said those who are forgiven much love much, but, but love is such a nebulous thing. I wanted to make it more specific. They love Jesus much. And you see this with the women. They were loving on Jesus. They were, they were falling at his feet. They were wiping his feet with their hair and their tears because they understood forgiveness. I love the story in Luke 7. I mean, they call her a sinner. And she must have known she was a sinner. That's why she wasn't trying to sit up with the Pharisees. She's just wanting to worship Jesus. And Jesus makes the point, saying that her, her sins were forgiven much. She loves, she's loving much. She's showing it. And then he's kind of poking at the Pharisees, saying, see, you, you really don't love much. Because they've really not experienced forgiveness. And this is a big deal. I hope you understand that forgiveness is a big deal. Yeah. It's the heart of the gospel. If you know 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul talks about the gospel, the gospel that we believe by which we're saved, he says that Christ died for our sins and was raised on the third day. And you have to admit that you're a sinner because that's part of the gospel, because the gospel is good news. But why is there good news unless there's bad news? And the bad news is you are dead in your sins. Now, you have all sorts of scripture there that I gave you references and actually listed some verses, so you can study this on your own. But when I share the gospel, the number one reason I find that people don't become a follower of Jesus Christ isn't because they don't believe he's the Messiah, the Son of God. It's not because they don't believe he was raised from the dead. It's this thing about, I'm a sinner. 
I'm a sinner. There's bad news. You were born dead in your sins. Second, I mean, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 is so clear. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit of the disobedience that is all around us now. It's working in us. It's talking literally about how you were following the world, how you're following the demonic forces. And some of you, you know that. You remember those days. I remember before I became born again and experienced forgiveness, how dead I felt, how I just went through life motion, through the motions, but I didn't really have life in me. I love what the church father Irenaeus says, the glory of God is a man fully alive. And you become fully alive when you realize that deadness in you, that sin, like I like to call that messed up in you. You're all messed up. <laughs> You're dead in your sins, but it's been forgiven. And this is the message that the church preached. If you look in the, I gave you those notes in the book of Acts. When the church formed, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, and we had this new entity called the church, which the church is made up of people filled with the Holy Spirit who worship Jesus Christ. When they came together, the very first message preached was by Peter. And the very first thing he was saying was, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you just read and, I, and throughout Acts and you just have these passages to just talk about the forgiveness of sin, the forgiveness of sin. And so the logical question is, are your sins forgiven? Well, I'm not that bad. I love what Spurgeon said. Okay, just, I love this quote. You might want to remember this one. Brother, if any man thinks ill of you, don't be angry with him, for you are far worse than he thinks you to be. Now, I have some people who are like, yeah, but we're forgiven. Yeah, but you still have this sin you're struggling with unless you're perfect. And if you're perfect, why am I up here? I don't know about you. I still struggle with this sin, but the thing is, I'm forgiven. And the great thing about Jesus' death on the cross, my past sins are forgiven, my present sins are forgiven, and my future sins are forgiven. Well, hallelujah. So we, should we sin that grace may abound? Because that's a logical conclusion. And Paul wrestles with that in Romans 6. So we just sin? and No, no because if you really understand forgiveness, you don't want to do sin again. But if you're like, well, I'll just sin. He'll forgive me. Well, now you're presuming on God. Good luck. I wouldn't do that if I was you. But this is the heart. For you, I got to throw out foundations because if you know what foundations is, it's our Wednesday night discipleship program. And man, yeah, my foundations, all the campuses, I hope you're shouting it down. It's a good thing as we go deeper. But in the first semester, we learned the Apostles' Creed. And that's, you know, Pastor Aaron, he's so gracious too. I'm like, well, let's learn the Chalcedon Creed. Let's learn, you know, let's learn the whole Westminster Confession of Faith. I'm like, okay, let's just do the Apostles' Creed, okay? Let's just keep it simple, right? But what does it say? I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Universal Catholic Church. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of body and life everlasting. Amen. Look at that. Look at the front row, man. I got my foundation peeps here. All right. Because it's the word of God. And the apostles took the word of God and they formed this creed. And in it, they talk about the forgiveness of sins. So that's the first point. And if you understand forgiveness of sins and then you start loving Jesus, it's just gonna lead you to your next conclusion. They're in your notes. Those who love Jesus keep his word. Now for you who have written notes, the online version's good, but I had to change it. And so cross out there where it says blank him. I think it was obey, obey him is what I originally had, but I wanted actually say keep his word because it's after I did the notes, I was meditating and thinking on the passage more, especially like John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John 14, 21, he who loves and keeps my commandments, 
he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And I just start thinking about Jesus. uh, Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but him who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And I started looking it up and studying this. And here's a fascinating thing. Jesus never uses the word obey, never tells us to obey him. In the New Testament, you have a clear word for obey, and it's used in passages like children, obey your parents, Ephesians 6. It's used like masters, obey your slaves in Ephesians 6. You have these passages about obedience and obeying, but Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says it's about relationship. It's about keeping his word. It's about doing the will of his father. See, there's a big difference between obeying a law. You know, like, you know, I... I keep, try to keep to the speed limit. Why? Because I want to obey the law. Notice I said try. Nobody's perfect, right? <laughs> Don't judge me. But you know, my mom asked me to do something. I try to keep her word because I want to honor mom. I want to love her and show her that I love her, but doing what she's asking. You see the difference? This is what Jesus is getting at. And those who love him will keep his word. And this is just common sense. You know, I can sit here and you saw Paula. She's awesome, you know? And I just like, you know, Paula, I love you. You know, I got some squeeze on the side, but hey, it's okay. I love you. It, do I really love her? No. But, but isn't that what we do? So, oh, Jesus, I love you. But, you know, I'm going to cheat on my taxes a little bit because I need a lot. Hey, Jesus, I love you. But, hey, you know, we just drink some wine and gossip a little bit once a week with our club, book club. You know, but it's okay. I love you, Jesus. See, we think we can say we love him, but if we're not keeping his word, do we really love him? Well, that's judgmental. I, I don't know. I didn't write the book. <laughs> I'm just calling it out. Do we really love him? Then, but if you keep his word, you're, you, you've shown you've experienced his love and you love him, which means you've shown you've known forgiveness. And that's just going to then lead to the natural third point. Those who love and keep his word are generous. Are generous. And this is what this series is about and handle with care and talking about stewardship and generosity. You know, I, I, Pastor Ann likes me to ask me to do this, I think, and I talked before. I taught on a sermon called The Other 90 you can find online where I talk about how to steward our money well. And I think Pastor Aaron, one of the reasons he likes for me to come and talk on this topic, because I'm not afraid. I like talking about money. And I know, you know, like, oh, Ethel, here we go. We're talking about money at church again. They're always trying to get my money. You know, like... Well, you know, if that's your attitude, I'd love to see how you would have done with Jesus because Jesus talked a lot about money. You know, we're just talking about things like the tithe and things like that. What are you going to do if Jesus was hanging out with you and said, hey, you know what, bro? Why don't you go sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and come follow me? Now, that's an awkward moment, right? Look at what Scripture says. There's so many Scriptures in there about Jesus saying, give. Give to those who need. Give to those who ask. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. See, these two women understood this. When they came to worship Jesus, they didn't just come and fall at his feet and say, hey, Jesus, I need this. And hey, Jesus, can you fix that? What did they do? They brought a gift. They brought an expensive gift, an alabaster, a big volume full of perfume, and they're pouring at his feet because they understand worship should cost you something. You know, in the Old Testament, when you wanted to worship, you had to go to the temple, which means you had to bring a goat, a bull, you know, some kind of animal, doves if you were poor, but something. You were putting money. You were putting a dog into the hunt. You know, we just come to church. like, And again, you know, thank you. You're like, oh, wow, we sacrificed. I got up an hour early. I mean, I lost an hour and I came to church still. I'm not being funny, but I'm serious. Do we understand what worship truly is? There's a cost usually involved. There's a sacrifice. 
But we don't have to bring anything. We don't have to bring bulls and goats anymore because Jesus' blood, as we heard in communion, did that. That is the hallelujah moment. But I love what David said when he wanted to worship God. And he says to King Arun in 2 Samuel 24, 24, he says, no, I will surely buy this piece of land that he wanted to worship from me. Wonder worship, but I'll surely buy it from you for a price. For I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. You know, and I, I lived in Egypt for many years, working there in the church and that, and, and, and missions. And, and, and there was a phrase we used to use in, in Egypt, in, in Egyptian Arabic. It's like, Gilda. Oh, a Gilda. That means he's chief. You know, he's one of those guys who just like, you know, you get out of a taxi and, you know, you know you're rich and you know, you give the guy a nickel, you know, and the guy looks at you and like, well, Gilda, you know. <laughs> I wonder sometimes in our worship, are we Gilda? I, that just sticks in my mind. I don't want to stand before King Jesus. You died for me. You sacrificed for me and I gave you a nickel. I don't think that's going to play out well. I don't know about you, but, but it makes me think. Okay, there's my little theological nerding out part. I want to preach for a moment, okay? And I want to work backwards in here. And so I talked about forgiveness going into love, which will bring faithfulness, will bring generosity. Let's start with generosity, okay? They're in your notes. They're right there at the end, generosity. Because you know what's the thing about generosity? It's the one thing we can measure. Like, I don't really know if you're loving. Are you forgiving? Like, oh, I feel it now. I don't know, because those are existential experience when you realize you're born again and have your sins forgiven. We all came born again different ways. It just, you know, how do you know that you're being faithful? You know, you can, that's a little more measurable, but not, but generosity, I can tell you, are you generous or not? You just, just ask yourself that. I mean, I can tell you exactly what I tithed last year to Radiant Church. And we talk about the tithe and we talk about giving to the church, why? Because it's the one entity that Jesus Christ set up that said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So when I'm investing in the church, I'm storing up treasures in heaven, okay? Now, I run a nonprofit. My nonprofit lives by people giving and, and that, and that, and Radiant, thank you for being generous to serving beyond borders. But, but the point is, Jesus did not come to set up nonprofits. Those are with your tithes and all, that's with your offerings and extra but I have a certain percentage and I can tell you what I give to Radiant. Then I can tell you what I give to missionaries and to, to widows and orphans, which is on my wife's heart to help support those ministries. But I know what the percentage is. I can tell you the number. Do you want to know what it is? No, it's none of your business. It's between Jesus and I. But do you know yours? See, I love this story. There was a man who died and Went to heaven and, and he was hanging out with St. Peter up there. This is a parable, obviously. And, and, and St. Peter's showing him around heaven. And as he's showing him around, he sees his friend go by in this beautiful, decked out, supercharged uh, race car. And my friend's like, Whoa, we get to drive cars like that in heaven? And Peter goes, Well, your friend was very generous on earth, so we had a lot to work with up here. And so that's what we got him. And man's like, oh man, this is exciting. So it came time for him to get his transportation in heaven. And, and St. Peter brought him a little electric scooter. <laughs> the guy's like, what's this? He goes, we just didn't have much for, to work with up here. Oh, the man's mad and he gets on the scooter and scoots off, you know, and he's going. About a week later, St. Peter sees him and the guy's kind of got a smile on his face. He's like, oh, you 
You've come to peace with your scooter? He goes, no, not really. But when I saw the bishop on a skateboard, I felt better about myself. (laughs) I love that story. But you know what? Let's just be honest. What would you get in heaven if that was true? Some of you would probably be walking because you've been trying to do it your way and not being generous with God. I, I, was, I just came from the foothills of the Himalayas doing missions work, and, uh, and I was, had a lot of time in the back of a van, and these missionaries were telling me about this, uh, uh, this former Special Forces guy, Navy SEAL, who's written this motivational book. And, I, and so I got the book downloaded from the library, and I'm listening to it, and I can't recommend it because, man, the guy cusses like a sailor. Then I realized he is a sailor. That's why he was cussing all the time. But he talks about this thing called the accountability mirror. And I'm like, where are the Christians? You know, we need Christian motivational guys who don't usually use that language. But I loved it. Just being honest. He's like, you just stand in front of the mirror like, I'm overweight. He says a lot worse than that. I'm overweight. I got to just be honest. Now I can go die and do something. But just be honest. Just stand in front of the mirror and say, you know, I'm not that smart. I just need to go and study harder. Just, just be honest. I'm like, that's... Isn't that what we need in Christianity? To just stand in front of the mirror and just say, I just need to be honest. I've been a little cheap. I've been a little cheap with God. See, generosity is really just the measurable thing. And if you have an attitude about the church speaking about money, it's not the church. I'm sorry, it's not us. We're just teaching what Jesus taught. And Jesus talked a lot about money, and we're just going to be obedient to Jesus. I think there's something that you need to look a little bit more deeper and that brings us to the second point that leads, that, that leads to generosity, and that's faithfulness. Are you faithful? Are you faithful? Do you keep his word? Jesus said, give. Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's in your notes there. You know that famous passage. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I didn't see this before, but I was meditating on this in the Greek, and, and that's not trying to brag. That's my job, right? I'm supposed to do that, okay? And I'm just, and I never saw this before. That's an imperative. Woo, I got so excited. I guess you don't get excited about imperatives in the Greek. But what it means is this is a command. This isn't like, oh, I got some extra money over. I think I'll store up a little buck, you know, a few bucks in heaven. No, it's a command. Store up for yourself. Do this. This is what you're supposed to do, but we don't really want to keep his word. And I'm trying to ask, I literally was thinking about this. Why? Why? And it hit me. It hit me a couple of weeks ago, and I've been just thinking and meditating on this. It's because we really don't know what it means to call Jesus Christ Lord. We use the word, we throw it around, but, but what does that really mean? I mean, we don't live in a feudal system. We got lords and ladies running around and knights and all that. So it's just a word that doesn't mean anything to us. Now, I want to paint a theological picture, and this is somewhat controversial for those who are into higher uh, theological education and where the the nerds get up there and argue and has no practicality or life. But this one's a good one. See, I believe you can call Jesus as your Savior and not call him as your Lord. See, my wife, when she got born again, they stuck together. And she walked with Jesus as Lord all the days of her life. But me, I got born again, July 7th, 1980. My sins were forgiven and I knew Jesus. But I did that roller coaster. 
I was somewhat faithful, but then I wasn't really faithful. You know, I kind of gave, but then I didn't really give. You know, I kind of prayed, but I didn't really pray. Until 1986, when an Air Force captain walked into my office and said, Sergeant Lay, yes, sir, I hear you're a Christian. Yes, sir, why aren't you living like one? And he called it out. And everything changed, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I started calling Jesus Lord and knowing what it meant. And I've been walking the dynamic, what we call the radical Christian life ever since. But then I heard a preacher explain it even better, and so I'll just steal his things, because this is really good. Are you ready for this? Because I think this is a big issue for many people in our church. You've had experience of forgiveness. You've come into the baptismal wall. I'm pointing there because that's where we do baptisms, not the piano, okay? You know, you've had, you've been baptized, you know, but you're not walking in obedience, and your life is a roller coaster, and half of you are train wrecks right now. And I'm sorry, I'm not saying it's judgmental. It's breaking my heart because you don't know the truth. You need to have a change this morning. See, what does it mean Jesus is Lord? Well, let me put it in modern term, modern vernacular, okay? What it means is Jesus wants to be the boss of your life, okay? Jesus wants to be the CEO of your life. Jesus wants to take this little enterprise called your life, and he wants to do a hostile takeover, okay? You need to understand, he doesn't just want to buy some shares into your life. He wants to become the boss and take it over and start telling you what to do instead of you telling him, him what to do. So I started thinking, here's what you need. You know what? Some of you today, you need to put a sign on your life. I'm under new management, okay? Because Jesus does not want to be a resident in your life. He wants to be the president. And you got to make that conscious decision. And some of you, you're not doing that. You're trying to live life your own way. And what I'm saying is, how's that working out for you? No wonder your marriage is messed up. No wonder your finances are messed up. No wonder your kids and you guys are all fighting all the time. Why? Because you're trying to call the shots. And when you're calling the shots, you're going to lose. But when you come under new management... When me in 1986, you know, I travel the world. I'm in hotels all over the world. But, you know, I never go to a bar. I never get food out of a bar alone in a hotel room. Why? Because I know what happens there, and I'm under new management. I'm going to listen to what Jesus says. When I'm late at night and I'm doing some research on the computer and, you know, I'm getting tired and I click on something, I know right then to shut it off and go to bed. Why? Because I know where my mind can go, but I don't go there anymore because I'm under new management. What about you? Who's the boss of your life? I really think we should just make these and make you walk around with these for a day or two. I'm just so proud, I'm so proud of myself. I did a pastor in and used a prop, you know, so I'm just, uh, that guy, he can preach. So I just thought I'd steal something from him. But I'm serious. You're not generous, but it's not about generosity. It's because you're not faithful. You're not faithful because you've been trying to be Lord of your life instead of letting him be Lord of your life. And when you make him Lord, you'll do what he says. But then that just takes it back to, it's because you really don't know how to love. Because love does mean keeping his word, but, but you've never experienced love yourself. Because you're still dead in your sins. See, I love what Ephesians 2, did you hear what I said? And you were dead in your sins. For us who are born again, we're ready to, I was so messed up. I'm messed up. I love saying that. I'm messed up. Some of you are still messed up. Can you admit it? Can you admit that you're a sinner? And the reason you don't love is because you've never experienced that forgiveness. You've never had that moment with a burden. I love the picture in Pilgrim's Progress, the greatest book after the Bible written 
Pamia on the Christian life and Pilgrim, the little, I mean, little Christians walking and he's got this burden on his back, the sins of the, his life on him and he's carrying him. And that's how some of you, you walk like this because you've got this burden and you've never come to the foot of the cross and realized Christ died for your sins. I traveled the world. I just came literally from a temple where they were climbing 2,000 feet in elevation. I mean, I thought I was going to die. Lord, is this it? I can't breathe anymore. I mean, I'm up thousands of feet into the foothills of the Himalayas, and I'm, I'm being beat past by these Buddhists who are running up carrying food and carrying oil and light and candles so they could go to this temple because they say if you go to this temple and worship there, you'll have your sins forgiven. And it breaks my heart. I just want to stop. Don't you know there's forgiveness is free? You don't have to climb mountains for it. I watch them while I walk around the stupas. The stupas, if you know Buddhism, they, they just circumvent, they just go in these circles walking around for hours and hours. I watched a woman, 80, 90 years old for one hour doing this. For one hour, prostrating herself on the ground. Why? Trying to find forgiveness. I worked with Muslims for many years and they think one of the highlights is the Hajj where they can go to Mecca and if they walk around and do the Hajj and walk around the Kabbalah, they can have their sins forgiven and then the scale will be more in their favor on judgment day. And then I come to the church and I feel like it's, sometimes I see the same thing. You're trying to earn God's love. You're trying to earn forgiveness. And he's saying to you, you don't have to do anything. I paid the price. I love you. Believe in me. And your life will be different. You'll experience forgiveness of sins. And in that picture when Christian and Pilgrim's Progress comes to the cross and he accepts the forgiveness, the burden rolls away and he becomes that man fully alive. You can be that man or woman today. See, there's three people in this room. And I've been praying, I want revival to break out. Now I've asked Pastor Aaron, I want to do some wild stuff and like break revival. And then we thought it'd be a logistical nightmare. So, <laughs> but I'm still going to push it. There's three people in this room this morning. There's a first group, what I just said. You're like what they said in the matrix. You got a splinter in your mind. You know something's not right in your life. You just don't feel like your way, the, you're the, you're how you're supposed to be. And you aren't because you're plugged into the world. You're plugged into Satan and you're living under his power and you've never become born again. And for you, this is your moment. We're gonna go back into worship and afterwards location pastors are gonna come and give you an opportunity to have that burden roll off your back and experience forgiveness of sin. But there's another group, and this is the group I really want to preach on. You've had experience of forgiveness, but let's just be honest. Let's stand in front of the accountability mirror. You're just a disobedient Christian. You're trying to call the shots. And right now you realize you've messed it up. Good news is if you give Jesus control and make him Lord, he'll change everything. He'll start to do things in your life. And like in 1986, couldn't believe my marriage was like that. I couldn't believe I could have a relationship with my kids. I couldn't believe I never had to worry about money again. I don't worry about the future because the God of the future, who's the CEO of my life, will take care of me. Some of you, I'm calling out just like that captain did to me. 
You say you're a Christian, but why aren't you living like one? Today's your day. And I'm not going to let you off easy. At the end of service, we're going to have people down front to pray for you. If you're serious, you need to do the first act of obedience of showing he's now boss. I'm going to come down and confess it to somebody. I'm going to have them pray over me for my new life. Don't just sit there like, oh, I got to get off to dinner. Really? Your dinner is more important than making Jesus Lord of your life. Good luck. Today's your day to have everything change. The third group, and I'll end with this. You know the joy of salvation. We see you because I watch you worship. Some of you, I feel bad. You're a, I've, I've, thank you, Will and the team and, and Zubin and you guys. Thank you. I've been asked for eight years, can we just sing in Christ alone one time, please? What a song, the theology in that. For on that cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God is satisfied. No fear of death. No guilt in life, no fear in death. It's the power of Christ in me. Nothing's gonna pluck you from his hand. I watch some of you worship like this. And I don't, I don't get angry, I get sad. You don't know forgiveness. See, when we were, I can't wash Jesus' feet with my tears and my hair, but you know what I can do? I can worship him with reckless abandon. You know, okay, let me, I'm gonna go off for a second. Let me just tell you right now. You know, I got high degrees. You know, I can act all like uppity uppity, you know, like I'm something important, you know, and I'm something good, you know what? But I'm just a little kid over there with my hands raised, tears in my eyes. I've been listening to this song all week. I mean, I was literally on a plane from Thailand listening to this song, crying to flight attendant. Um, can I get you something? No, just give me a moment. Why? Because I know my sins are forgiven. And for those of you, you've not only done that, but you've made him Lord of your life. And you know when he has control how great and freeing it is. You don't have to worry about death. You don't have to worry about your job. You don't have to worry about finances. He's the CEO. He takes care of his corporation. Do you believe that? For you who do, we're going to go back into worship. You locations, we're going to turn it off because this is about you and the Holy Spirit at your location. So all across the Tampa Bay, we're going to go in and we're going to give God